Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come. I ask that you would continue to move in the power that you've already started in this service. That we'd get a knowledge of how amazing you are. How you're full of power and truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I'd like to go back to Old Testament Egypt time, if that's okay, and revisit the birth story of Moses and take a look at the life that he started, the destiny that he walked in when it came to saving the people of Israel. So we're just going to jump right in for the sake of time. That way you guys aren't here until like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Sound good? All right. So let me set the backdrop before you and then we'll come into this particular slide right here. So in Exodus chapter 1, uh, we basically, we, we kind of get reacquainted with the people of Israel. And you guys will remember that uh, there was this guy named Joseph. Remember he had like a, a, a lot of different colored coats or something like that. And basically he got sold into slavery. And when he was in Egypt, he started to rise within the courts of the king of Egypt. And eventually we got to this place where he was put like second in command. And as he governed Egypt, they really began to prosper. And because of that, uh, he was able to invite his brothers, his father Jacob, who we know as Israel, to come and join them. And while Joseph was there, the people of Egypt really flourished well. In fact, they grew in number, they grew in prominence, and they were an amazing people within the land. So uh, that was the generation of Joseph. As that generation came to a close, and we walked into new generations, Joseph and the things that he did began to be forgotten. In fact, what we're going to do is in Exodus 1, we're going to pick up in the story of a new king in Egypt, and this particular king has looked out over the people of Israel, and he's seen that they have grown in number. And the scripture itself says that this king says that they were a mighty people. And because of that, he felt threatened by the very core of who they were. And so that's the backdrop for what we're going to take a look at today. So this is Exodus chapter 1. I've got a couple of excerpts that are here up on the, the slides up there. So in response to the threat of the mighty people that the Egyptian king saw for Israel, uh, therefore they set taskmasters, the Egyptian leaders and the Pharaoh, over them, the Israelites, to afflict them with heavy burdens. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So for the Israelite people, what the Egyptians did was is they saw that they were growing mighty, so they thought they would counteract that by making them become slaves. Uh, what we see within the other excerpts of Exodus 1 is that it didn't work. So the Pharaoh decided to come up with a new edict, and this is what we see that comes after that. Starting in verse 22, it says, So therefore the, the Pharaoh commanded all of his people that every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about Moses, his birth, and the destiny that he walked in to free the people of God. But before we get into that particular story, we need to know what the context was that Moses was born into. So Moses was born into a life in which he was literally a slave with a death sentence. Moses was literally born into bondage, along with all of the Israelites, with a certain death proclamation over his life. It's not the most ideal way to come into the world, 
but it's the way that Moses came into it. Does that make sense? Are we all on the same page? So in Exodus chapter 2, let's go to the next slide. So this is the story of the birth of Moses. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, that was Moses. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Now why did she hide him three months? It was because there was a death sentence, right? And so she didn't want to give up her son to be thrown into the Nile. So she hid him for three months. And then when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made out of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And it goes on to say, And his sister, Moses' sister, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughters of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give, him, I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. So the question may be arising, why this story when we talk about Baptism Sunday? What is its significance as it relates to the experience that we just went through as a church? Well, I feel like there's a number of things that you can pull out of this particular passage that speak to the very condition that we just walked through and that still awaits those of us that are in this room. So I'm just going to go through those. Is that all right? You guys good with that? Okay, so here, here's the first one that I noticed. Moses, he entered the water as a slave, but he exited the water as a son in the courts of the king. Moses went into the water, much like we go into the water as it relates to baptism, enslaved in sin, but he exits the water as a son in the courts of the king. In a moment in the water, Moses went from being a slave to a son. In a moment, he went from a life of unbearable works to a life that works, right? He went from a life of enslavement, a life of unimaginable, unbearable works, to a moment where, shoot, by all standards, that was a life that might work. Here's the second thing. Moses entered the water with a certain death sentence, but he came out of that water with a sentence of abundant life. Remember, so the Pharaoh had said that, look, any son that's born to a Hebrew woman, they need to be thrown into the Nile. And if those of you who have seen like the National Geographic, that Nile River is not so nice. And so it was a certain death sentence, right, that was cast over Moses as he went in. But as he came out of it, because of his life as a son in the courts of the king, he went in with a death sentence and he came out with a sentence of abundant life. 
In that one moment, Moses went from death to life. Here's the third thing that I see in this as it relates to the experience that we had this morning. God perfectly redeems all things. In this story that we look at where Moses is thrown into the river Nile, we see that God can use the very things that were meant to destroy us to bring us life. We can see that God can use the very things that meant to destroy us to bring us life. The river was supposed to be an instrument of death. The river was, it was meant to be the instrument that brought about the death and destruction of who Moses was. You know, there's a parallel, and it's the cross. And so those of us who are in the church, you know this story, is that Jesus led an amazing life, walking in power and truth and love. And as the people began to get excited about his demonstration of works and and truth and love, they got excited about this new king of the Jews. They got excited about how this this man, this this Christ, was, was bringing them into an experience in a kingdom that was better than anything else they had ever experienced. And then you guys know the story that they took Jesus and they put him on the cross. You know, it's 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 my experience that there's a there's a ruler that has existed in the land since the beginning of time that is not necessarily in agreement with the ruler of the king, our father, our lord. And from time to time, it doesn't matter if you're in the book of Moses or it doesn't matter if you're in the story of Jesus or you're in the story of what you're doing right now today. It seems as if they are coming against us with like instruments of death, things that might bring us affliction, things that might bring us down, and the hopes that we might be brought under. But the gospel story is, is that the instruments that the enemy has used to bring us death God is using to bring us life. And so the story is this, is that, you know, while the the cross represented an instrument that brought death to Jesus, the very death of Jesus allowed his blood to be shed that we might be able to walk into the newness of life so that as he was dead and he raised on the third day, we too get the opportunity to go from death to life. And so the instrument of the cross, while it brought upon death, it came forth and gave us life. In the same way that we look at the River Nile, that it was supposed to be an instrument of death. But because of that water, because of that baptism of sorts that Moses had, he got an opportunity to be found by the Pharaoh's daughter so that he could go from beyond the sentence of death to into the sentence of life because he was now adopted into the courts of the king. Does that make sense? Are we, are, we, are we tracking in this, in this story here? So he, he, here's, here's, here's a side note. You know, in the story of the baptisms that we experience today, in the story of the Nile, and in the story of the cross, we actually needed that death. It wasn't for the purposes that the devil had or the king of Egypt had over us. But this is what God does to choose to use it. So, um, look, uh, Moses did need to die. 
He needed to die to the identity that was proclaimed over who he was. He was not a slave. He was not to live a life of death. But instead, he was meant to live an identity as a son in the courts of the king, full of power and abundant life. And so he went into that river to experience a death that was absolutely a death he needed to experience. The same thing happened with Jesus. We, we experienced the death that separated us from the love of the Father, that we could walk into the newness of life. The demonstration that you saw earlier today as our kids and as our friends went into the baptism, they died to the things that were no longer who they were. They were no longer meant to be held in bondage to sin and death. They were not meant to be enslaved to the sin that so easily keeps them from being all that God had created them to be. Instead, they were meant to walk as sons and daughters that they would be full of power and truth and love, that they would walk in the newness of life. And that's the power that we see in the baptism story. Whether it's in the baptism story here, the, the story that we see that's tied to Jesus dying on the cross, that we might wake up and walk with him in the newness of life, or in this story here. So Moses died to the former self that he had, that he might walk into the newness of life, encapsulating the gospel as we understand it. But the story doesn't end here. So you guys know how Moses continues to go, right? So we wanted to talk about the birth of Moses, and from the birth of Moses, we're going to talk about the destiny and the life that was set before him, that he might be able to release and free the people of God. So the story doesn't end here. This transformational moment was only the beginning, right? So you know the story of Moses. He does grow up as a son in the courts of the king. And there's this destiny over his life that he would walk in the redeeming of the people of Israel, right? That's Moses. And we we know this story, right? We good? We know the story. So Moses was going to continue to do that. So what happens? The next time we see Moses as a grown-up in his power, he sees that the Egyptians are afflicting the Israelites. And so he steps in. And he accidentally murders the Egyptian. So Moses, in his own power, trying to redeem the people of Israel from the affliction of those who were oppressing them, it didn't pan out so well. So with that, Moses kind of runs in shame, and he, and he leaves, and he flees uh, Egypt, and he goes into the wilderness, and he begins to do a new life there. And then one day, Moses sees a burning bush, and God tells Moses uh, that he is to set his people free. And so we'll bring up the next slide. This is what it looks like here in Exodus chapter 3. It says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So, Moses had had this encounter where he had moved from death to abundant life, where he had gone from enslavement to being able to walk in the freeness of a new creation. And then, you know, God calls him into this next step that he might help redeem his people. And despite the encounter of God that he had as a child, and despite the encounter of seeing God within the burning bush, all of a sudden, when God says, I want you to go and bring my children out of Egypt— Moses shuts down. And perhaps it's because when God makes this call on his life, he feels that he's ill-equipped. 
Perhaps he feels that, like, who am I to be able? I, or maybe he even feels shame. Like, I've tried this before, and I've tried to walk this thing out where I set your people free. And it resulted in, 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 in an experience that made me feel uncomfortable. And actually, the shame drove him out, out of Egypt. Who am I? What, what, why would the people listen to me? Why will the people respect me? What, what is it that I had to offer as who I am? It would allow me to bring freedom to those people. So what happens next in the story, and we can bring up the next slide, is that God begins to dress Moses with a power that exists, like that allows him to move in miracles and signs and wonders. Because Moses, as he was, was not equipped to bring freedom to the people of Israel. So instead, what God does is he begins to show him how the power of God in him can allow the freedom to come from. Like So he gives him this staff, and this staff now has power. He does miracles and signs, and then you guys know the story. So here, let's go this. It says, so Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey, and they went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And so I feel like this picture is like, it's it's crazy. So God has said that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to equip you. And now you're going to lead this, you know, these these millions of, of Israelites out of Egypt. And here you have little Moses and his wife and his sons on a donkey. And they're going back into Egypt where the Pharaoh and the king is known for his oppression and his power and his strength. And somehow he's going to be able to bring freedom to these people. And the Lord says to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. Moses, when he went back in, could not bring freedom to the people of Egypt in and of himself. He needed the power of God to be present in order for him to be able to set the captives free. Here's what I feel like God is doing in this service. What I feel like God is doing in this service today is he's doing a couple of things. The first thing is, I think that he is making an invitation for those who have experienced and watched this baptism to have an understanding of what took place. That understanding is that all of us have been at one point ensnared by sin, felt as if no matter what it is that we do, that we're held in bondage, that we can't be set free. And I feel like one of the things that God is doing today is saying that, look, this has been something that's happened since the beginning of time. Your story of being held in bondage, of feeling as if you have no hope, as feeling as if there's a death sentence over your life, that nothing that you can do will be able to change any of the circumstances because the things that are outside of your experience are bigger than the things that are inside of you. I feel like the Father is saying that this morning, he wants you to resonate with the story of Moses, that look, he can bring you from death to life. Look, he can bring you from enslaved to the things that have held you back, that you might walk in the newness of creation. I feel like God is wanting to do a second thing this morning. And I think that one of the things that God is wanting to do this morning is he's wanting to continue in the story of Moses. It's thousands of years old where we talk about how God has redeemed us from death to life to say that that's not the end of the story. That beyond this story is a story that to complete the cycle is that you've been set free for what? 
And it's the four that's so important. It's redeeming the people of God that they might walk in the newness of creation. I feel that nothing has changed. Just as the king of Egypt looked over and saw that the people were mighty and that they had incredible power and then he chose to try to bring enslavement to them and death upon them in order to keep them from becoming who they were destined to become, God is saying the same thing today. The enemy still looks out over this church right now and he sees that we have incredible power and incredible mighty within our midst. That when God comes on us and we understand who we've been called to be and we begin to walk as sons and daughters in the courts of the king with the understanding of how God is in us and wants to move through us, that we too have the ability to bring about a revolution where entire people groups are set free from the things that have bound them and have kept them from being able to move as sons and daughters. And so I believe that the other thing that God wants to do in this service and it's something that he's already started is that he wants to wake up inside of people that call just like Moses to go back in to the people of Egypt that they might be set free. And the opportunity and the invitation is this, is that if you feel ill-equipped and you feel as if you don't have the ability to walk like and set people free, that God wants to treat you in the same way that he treated Moses. He wants his Holy Spirit to come on you so that you, begin, so that you can be clothed in power that you could do miracles, signs, and wonders just like Moses did. Because when we move in the power of miracles and signs and wonders, it's like the bondage that the enemy had on us is absolutely broken. And it's through that opportunity of the power of the Holy Spirit that we get the opportunity to move as sons and daughters into the world in which we are, to our jobs, to our schools, to our homes, and to our neighborhoods. And we get to join in the invitation of not making this one life that was saved from death unto life. Not just one life, not just our life that went from being enslaved to sin to being set free, but a life that's on fire in such a way that we see entire people groups begin to walk in that as well. In my understanding of this scripture, not much has changed from the time of Egypt to the time of today. There's a ruler today that still roams this earth who, who sees how mighty and capable and strong we are, and he seeks to oppress us and enslave us. But there's a God who's already made a plan by the way of his son Jesus that we might be set free. And just as we demonstrated this morning, the invitation is there for those who want to be set free from sin and death. The opportunity abounds that you might experience the power and the truth of, and the love of the Father to walk in the newness of life. So we're going to move into a time of ministry and Antley's going to come up and the worship team's going to come up. And the invitation is really simple, is that in the demonstrations today of what we saw in the baptism and the story that we saw through, through the life of Moses, if your heart's been beating fast that you wanted to make some sort of change or some sort of transition or you wanted to experience God in a way that you had before, we very normally invite people to come forward and receive prayer that God might speak to who you are. So God, I ask that you would just come now and you would seal this moment. In Jesus' name.